strong enough for love. Ökodomen's Potfic, written by Tony Owl95 and read by Literarian. Chapter 2 Why all this terror? Why all this terror? said he in a tremulous voice. Hear me, Emily. I come not to alarm you. No, by heaven. I love you too well. Too well for my own peace. Anne Radcliffe, The Mysteries of Udolpho. They were the only ones to get off the train at Tadfield Station. There was no one waiting to get on either. The station house looked boarded up and there was nothing for miles in either direction but trees, sky and train track. This isn't spooky at all, Anna said dryly. And I have no phone signal. I thought we were travelling to Oxfordshire, not the 14th fucking century. As he glanced up from checking his own phone. Also signalless. At least Gabriel can't get a hold of us. He'd given them specific instructions and written down the questions they were to ask. If as he wasn't already preparing himself for death from delayed post-coital embarrassment, do you ever hook up with your fans would have killed him anyway. He hefted his backpack higher on his shoulder and walked to the front of the station where a vintage Bentley was waiting for them. Holy shit, Anna breathed. Definitely your aesthetic, isn't it? as he stared at the gleaming black paintwork. It's not a hearse. Anna still swept down the steps to meet the driver who leaned against the car's bonnet. A handsome man in dark glasses. It took all Azzy's self-control not to bolt when a smile like the sins of angels fixed on him. Well, well, if it isn't A.Z. Fell of hard and heavy. Anthony J. Crowley didn't move, but Azzy felt his gaze slide over him. Mr. Crowley, I'm Azzy. He hoped his smile was nothing but professional, despite his thundering pulse. What's that short for? Crowley asked. Never did find out. Aziraphale. Azira what? Crowley bit back a laugh. You can see why I prefer Azzy. Aziraphale? He's an angel, innit? Crowley tilted his head. It was like being sized up by a very lazy hawk. Azzy shrugged. His mother had a thing for angels, and he'd been too young to protest at the christening. Crowley snorted. <laughs> All right then, angel. Who's your friend? Another device. 
Anna stepped forward and extended her hand. A valiant effort to get Crowley to lift himself off the car's bonnet. He ignored it. Anathema? As in something you vehemently dislike? Or the more formal curse by a pope leading to excommunication? Either. The barely veiled irritation in Anna's voice could have smote civilizations. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Crowley laughed fully this time. As he tried not to find all that bitter humour attractive. Is that what we call you? Anna asked waspishly. Nah, Crowley will be fine. Let's try and keep it simple, eh? In you both up. Crowley opened the Bentley's passenger side door. Who calls shotgun? Anna looked at Azzy with her nose wrinkled. Azzy was sure he was staring back with equal terror. Best you get to know each other. Anna leaped for the back seat. Bit late for that. As he muttered. He made himself smile, though, and, after bundling his bags in after Anna, climbed into the passenger seat. Buckle up! Crowley slid into the driver's seat. Too late, Aziraphale realized there were no seat belts. What there was was an endless, twisty supply of narrow country roads and Anthony J. Crowley's complete lack of self-preservation. As the speed dial crept up to 60, Azzy gripped the door handle. You okay? The Bentley swept around a corner. <laughs> Azzy squeaked. So, how do you want to do this, Aziraphan? It made Ozzy miss Crowley referencing his press pass. He'd never liked his full name, but hearing it in that smooth, dark chocolate voice gave him goosebumps. Do this? Interview me. I thought in your recording studio. No surprises then. <laughs> Crowley's laugh was harsh. You know that's where Luke died. Oh, as he had, and he had been hoping for a glimpse at least. Ghoulish of him, but he couldn't quite shake his fascination for the band's frontman. He'd been gorgeous, talented and charismatic. All of that snuffed out just after his 30th birthday, which gave it all the air of a tragic myth. Yeah, guess I can't avoid you asking me about that, but I've closed the room off. Don't really write anymore anyway. Why is that? Azzy asked. Crowley and Luke Morningstar had written all the band's songs, some absolute classics, until Luke had gotten too obsessed with partying. No wonder Crowley wasn't a fan of slow burn. It was a futile cry about lost love and missed chances that he must have written when he was losing his friend. 
Starting already, I see. Crowley glanced at Azzy sideways as he took the Bentley around a particularly tight corner. Journalistic instinct. Can't help it. Azzy gripped the door handle tightly. Ah, here we are. Gravel crunched beneath the Bentley's tyres and the hedges opened up to reveal crenellations of warm stone and towering spires. The house was vast, vaster even than Azzy had ever imagined. All it needed to reach its full gothic potential was a good thunderstorm. That's beautiful! Anna leaned forward between the seats. Full of ghosts and hidden passages, Crowley said proudly. Might find a vampire in the crypt if you're lucky. Guess you're more interested in the skeletons in my closet, though. Mr. Crowley, Azzy said, suitably aghast. Although if rummaging through closets was on the cards, he wouldn't refuse. Mr. Crowley tutted. I was under the impression you wanted us here. That you wanted to talk to us. If my editor has got the wrong end of the stick, you'd best take us back to the station now, before I really start to give you a grilling. A grilling, eh? You promise? That serpent smile was too charming for its own good. Mr. Crowley? Just Crowley. We've been over this, Aziraphale. The man was impossible. We have, and I believe I asked you to call me Azzy. You said you preferred Azzy. Crowley paused. Aziraphale. In the back seat, Anna failed to stifle her giggle. Crowley momentarily turned his attention onto her as he parked the car in front of the house. You both sit tight. I'll have someone come help you with your bags. He slammed the car door and swaggered towards the house like his spine had been replaced with a cooked noodle. As he stared, captivated despite himself. His indignation did nothing to diminish his attraction. Damn it! What an absolute asshole of the first order, he muttered, even as his mouth watered. Imagine that, Anna said lightly. A rich, handsome and successful man being an asshole. True, as he smiled. You want him in your pants so bad right now, don't you? Oh, Lord, is it that obvious? Azzy covered his face. Only to me, who loves you? Thank goodness we're only here for the weekend. Azzy could behave himself for two nights. Couldn't he? The 
airbags were fetched by Eric, who introduced himself as the assistant to Crowley's manager. He was pretty, polite and looked barely strong enough to lift a teacup. After some civil negotiations, Anna and Azzy carried their own bags as Eric followed them into the set of a period drama. The kind where a corpse would appear within ten minutes and the host probably had ex-wives locked up in the attic. The rooms in the East Wing were at least bright and Azzy was more grateful than he cared to admit over the shared Jack and Jill bathroom. Nice to know that Anna was easily within reach if things decided to go bump in the night. Nothing like knowing your co-worker who liked to tease you would be able to hear every creak of the mattress, each gasped moan, to keep you pure. Azzy sidled up to the narrow lancet window with its original leading and looked out over the grounds. Lots of formal books hedging and naked nymphs rendered in stone. A vaguely moat-like water feature and a conservatory. An absolutely massive conservatory that looked like it housed a small jungle. Mr. Fell? As he whipped around at the sharp snap of his name. The person that had entered looked more like a rock star than Crowley did. Short, spiky grey hair and wearing an armoury of studs and rings and chain-like necklaces. Azzy was surprised he hadn't heard them rattling. I'm Bees, Mr. Crowley's manager. Here's the Wi-Fi code and other information. A folder was handed over. Plus a map of the house, or at least the bits you have the freedom to wander about in. I've also taken the liberty of reviewing the questions your editor wanted you to ask. Gabriel sent them to you? Fucking Gabriel. A surefire way to get bland, overly choreographed answers, that was. By all means, help the interviewee out, let them know the topics, but the actual questions. I took issue with a few of them. See my attached response. Two sheets of A4 paper, stapled together, were slapped on top of the folder. Each of Gabriel's questions had a line through it in bold red marker pen and the corresponding fuck off next to it. The fuck off following the question about hooking up with fans was followed by several exclamation marks. And what would Mr. Crowley like us to talk about? As he asked, as though butter wouldn't melt. He wouldn't like to talk about anything, Bees said with a leer. I'm making him because that's what he pays me for. Fortunately, he has begrudgingly agreed to it if I got you. Which I did to stop him bitching about how bored he is. I would like you to try and get him talking about his new indie record label, 
his songwriting plans for the future and how he feels about a comeback. If you so much as mention Luke Morningstar, I'll break your fingers before you can even type conspiracy theory. Do you understand? Perfectly. As he smiled and immediately wondered exactly which conspiracy theories about Luke Morningstar's death Bees was most worried about. Good. I'm glad Mr. Crowley has chosen to obsess over someone with brains. Also, if you fuck him again and any hint... I did not fuck him. As he hadn't. Well, only a little bit and by the loosest of interpretations. Bees rolled their eyes so hard the iris nearly vanished into their skull. Oh, angel face, why else do you think you're here? Certainly not for your talent with words. Hard and heavy isn't exactly groundbreaking journalism, is it? Depressingly, as he couldn't argue with that. Driven by spite, though, he would fight Gabriel into the ground to make this the best fucking interview he'd ever written. It'd be good enough for offbeat or rock and metal. That would stop his ridiculous editor from threatening him with unemployment, too. Now the shock of that first meeting with Crowley was over, as he was determined to make the most of this unprecedented access. AZ fell on Anthony J. Crowley. Well, not on, exactly. You're cute when you go all red like that, Bees said. If you don't hook up with the boss, I might be persuaded to help you out. They clomped from the room in their size four biker boots. You should be so lucky, Azzy said long after the door had slammed. Should have said that. I'll fuck them if you don't wanna. As he spun around. Knock anathema. What? I let you know I'm here? She leaned against the bathroom door, filing her nails. You heard everything? Heard you fucked Anthony J. Crowley? Well done. If anything, he fucked me. Azzy replied, sulking. And it totally doesn't count because I didn't realize it was him. Oh my god, Azzy, you're my favorite disaster. She made herself comfy on his bed. We need new interview questions, by the way. Nope, you need new interview questions. I'll just snap snap. She held up her hand, framing Azzy with her thumb and forefinger. Speaking of which, I need to look around for good locations. I'll see you at dinner. And how does one dress for dinner in the haunted castle of a former rock god? Azzy mused. In your case, the sluttier the better. 
Anna wiggled her fingers at him before flitting away back through the bathroom like an apparition. As he carefully unpacked his suitcase, there was slutty and there was slutty. He had standards, after all. In the end, he went with thigh-hugging denims and a black sheer shirt. Fine enough and dark enough to not be truly inappropriate. The lighting in the rest of the house was so dim anyway that it barely showed anything. In the end, though, it didn't matter. Only he and Anna bothered to turn up. Twenty minutes into dinner in a hall so vast it could have hosted the Premier League football match, utilizing the two carved fireplaces as goals, Anna piled her plate high and declared she was going upstairs for a bed picnic. As he held out for another 15 minutes in case any of their hosts did appear. Disappointment or possibly relief at not having to make small talk made him grab a few rolls and head back to his room. At least that was the plan. The house tempted him in other directions though. Long, panelled corridors urged Azzy to explore deeper, searching for a hint of Crowley's personality amidst the relics of past eras. This is a truth universally acknowledged, after all, that a journalist must be in want of a story. The rain pattered against the glass, growing more insistent with each moment. It was all terribly atmospheric and, feeling like he drifted into a Radcliffe novel, Aziraphale decided to hunt down the forbidden recording studio. He didn't have to go inside. Just see the hallowed doors beyond which so much talent and creativity had flourished. And think about what conspiracy theories Bees was worried about. It was true, Luke Morningstar's death had been treated as suspicious. Sadly, though, a young rock star taking an overdose was not a new occurrence. There had been whispers, certainly. It had happened in Crowley's house, but he'd never been suspected of... He wouldn't. Would he? even if there had been rumours of the band breaking up, of Morningstar going solo. A turn of the corridor led Azzy to a pair of glass sliding doors, which didn't look as odd as they should against the grey, late medieval stone. They were fogged with steam, but beyond he could see dark green, waxy leaves and a few large scarlet flowers. This was the conservatory as he could see from his window. And it was protected by a serious-looking digital keypad. Interesting. He'd had no idea that Crowley liked plants. 
something that wouldn't be a formal interview question, but certainly something to chat about to relax everyone. As he moved on, following the corridor along until he passed a towering pair of oak double doors. The gentle thump of drums, accompanied by the strum of a bass guitar, drifted from beyond them. It was Perfect Childhood from Them's album. A good song for calming down an audience, but not so relaxed it didn't have a beat you couldn't still bounce to. Azzy hesitated, but his desire for answers drove him forward. The door opened easily, and he stepped into a vast space entirely lined with books. No, not just books, although there were plenty of those, but also vinyls. The towering, vaulted ceiling and the narrow arched windows gave the appearance of a church. Sounded like a church too, the acoustics were perfect. Wonderstruck by the clarity of the music, despite the driving rain outside, and the perfect juxtaposition of old and new blending together as he stepped forward. There were lush plants here too, their leaves shiny in the lamplight. He ran his finger along the edge of a ceramic pot, nails tapping along with the rhythm of the falling rain. Aziraphale. It was no more than a purr, and it sent shivers down Azzy's spine. Azzy turned so fast that he nearly knocked the plant pot over. Mr. Crowley! Mm -hmm.